This is a good place to be tonight. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. Um, everyone has been so kind and so welcoming, and that really means a lot when you are teaching. And um, I'm humbled by being chosen to be a part of this time with you all. Um, so this is going to be great. It's going to be exciting, but it's also going to be some work. So you see that I have for you a packet, and we're going to go through some things um, together. And so I hope you have your pens, pencils, because we're going to dig deep into the heart, and hopefully the Lord will bring something out um, to the point where you see it for yourself, and you're able to humble yourself before his throne of grace and mercy, and be able to uh, be obedient with delight in him. So um, before we get started, I just want to pray for you all. I, um, she, she prayed for me, so now I can pray for you all. So let's um, go to God's uh, throne of grace. Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. We humble ourselves before your throne of grace and mercy, and we pray and ask that you lead each woman here that's presented here to remember who they belong to, the one true living God, that they will humble themselves before your throne of grace and mercy, that they will be able to learn all that you have prepared for them tonight and use me as you have prepared my heart for this for some time, for a few months actually. And I just pray and ask that what is being taught tonight will be an encouragement a learning experience, but also something that they can take home with them until glory, that they can practice until glory. Um, these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm already looking at the time, and I'm like, okay, huh, let's see what we can do here. Because uh, I know... Listen, if you start late, you could go late. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that how that works? Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll try that and see what everybody does. Because after you eat, you get tired and sleepy, so I don't know. Okay, so we'll, we'll get started. But um, I, I do want you to open up to your first page, which is number five, page five. And we're going to, I'm just going to take my time in helping you all, helping us all really, because I'm included in this study. So the first thing I want to say is that God in his word um, has provided us the remedy on how to not worry about our lives. So if pain, anxiety, depression, worry is a thing in your life, that's what we're going to talk about on how to remedy that through God's word because he promised his his saints his his children how to live according to his word and how to have his peace so we are victorious through Christ our Lord and can choose his peace because we belong to him as believers we're called to live life through the lens of scripture so trials and tribulations are common among people and should be looked at as opportunities that will reveal who we really are in Christ so let's begin to dig in into those opportunities. And I think the first opportunity would be to do some self-inventory. So go to page five, and we're going to answer some questions. And you can write these questions down um, in your notes, wherever you find space to do that. But uh, we'll just go through these carefully. So number one is, what is the heat or the problem? Maybe it's a life adjustment or a conflict in your life right now that you can think of off the top of your head. What are you going through right now that takes priority in your life? 
um, and it's constantly on your mind every day. And you can write that down maybe in the space or something side by, by the side of the question. Just what is the number one feed or the problem that you're going through currently? If it's on your mind every day, when you wake up, it's daily, just write that down. Number two, how long have you been dealing with this problem? And number three, what does your prayer life look like every day? Is it minimal? Is it daily? Is it all day? Do you pray without ceasing? Or do you just pray during mealtimes? Number four, what does your prayer life for others look like? How often do you pray for others? Every now and again, when you feel like it, or if they just come to mind. How often do you pray for, uh, pray for and with others? And what I mean by with others is how often do you pray with someone face-to-face, -face, in person? So, for example, if they ask you to pray for them, do you say, oh, I'll keep you in prayer, and then you walk away? Or do you say, let's pray right now? Number five, what does time in the word of God and his counsel look like daily in your life? And what I mean by the word of God and his counsel, do you go through problems and you immediately go to God through his word looking for his counsel first or do you look for a biblical counselor first? Do you look for your pastor first? Do you look for your friends first? Do you go to God first or others first? Number six, do you live a life of repentance, obeying 1 John 1, 9, which says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And number seven is kind of combined with this. What does confessing sin look like in your life? Are you specific and detailed about the sins that you confess or are you general? Do you ask God to just forgive me for my sins? and you keep it moving? Or do you ask him, Lord, I was mean to somebody yesterday. Forgive me for being unkind and unloving. My heart was wretched when I treated them that way. Okay. And I'll take my time and give you some time to write so you'll hear a little bit of silence. Ain't nothing wrong with silence. So if I, if I pause a little bit and it's just a little quiet, I'm just giving you time to think and marinate and answer your questions. Because the last time I spoke, somebody told me I was moving too fast. So I think that was a relative. <laughs> but hey, I had to take heed and I said, okay, I got to slow down. Very good. <laughs> On your next page, page six, we have um, scripture prayer card list. So this is just a sample of prayers, um, verses that we're going to turn into prayers. 
And I'm going to just give you a sample of what this will look like. But first, before we get started, I want to make sure that I explain thoroughly what this is going to look like. Because I think on the very back of your packet, you have prayer cards that look like this. They put them back here instead of having them separately. So we'll get a chance to write those out back there so they're all together. That was very smart of whoever created that. Yeah. <laughs> It must have been the best over here. It must no, have been no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Farrell, okay. Farrell. <laughs> so when we worry, our God gives us very specific instructions on how to respond and obey him. The question we must ask ourselves is, do I want anxiety or do I want the peace of God? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Because these are choices. Having anxiety is a choice. Having God's peace is a choice. And the reason why it's a choice is because we are all in Christ and we are no longer bound or enslaved to our sin. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us this very thing. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as common to man and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. So if God provides a way of escape for sin, God will provide a way of escape for all sin, not some sin, all of it. Any temptation that you are dealing with, God is going to give you an escape for it if you truly belong to him. Amen? Amen. Okay. So the first thing is we must be daughters who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in our flesh. That's Philippians 3.3. 3. So here we see a prayer card list, and that's the first verse on there, Philippians 3.3. 3. So I want you to go to the back of your list. Your I want you to go to your prayer card, actually, one of your prayer cards. And I want you to write out a prayer. And I'm going to help you with that. I want you to write out, Lord, please help me. To worship in your spirit. And glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, please help me to worship in your spirit. And glory in Christ Jesus. And put no confidence in my flesh. I'll repeat that. Lord, help me. Please help me to worship in your spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in my flesh. The next one is Galatians 5.16. And we can write a prayer card for that one. And it, it can read, Father or Lord, Help me to walk by the Spirit, so I will not carry out my fleshly desires. I'll repeat that. Father, help me to walk by the Spirit, so I will not carry out my fleshly desires. 
So I'm giving you two examples of how you can pull scripture and pray scripture back to God. So I'm listing that for you and the rest of the passages that are listed here, you can read and you can start to write more of your prayers back to God through his word. So this leads us to the first thing to practice in our daily walk. When anxiety is coming or is already here in your life or you're dealing with it, we must pray. A prayer life is the key component in obtaining the peace of God. According to Philippians 4, 6, it says, Lord, help me to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The first thing that Philippians 4, 6 tells us is to be anxious for nothing but to do everything by prayer. That's the first thing it says. So we must be prayers. Again, a prayer life is a key component in obtaining God's peace. So I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to do this with strength and confidence in God because you know this is the truth. So I want this to be nice and full from the, from the gut, not from your throat. I want you to say this with your gut. The first thing I must do. The first thing I must do. In everything. In everything. I must pray. I must pray. Very good. That wasn't weak at all. That was good. <laughs> so that's the, thank you. <laughs> so that's the thing that we have to remember. The first thing that we must do in everything, we must pray. So to some people, and because I'm a biblical counselor, I've heard these things in counseling um, counseling rooms. Uh, some people believe that prayer doesn't seem to be enough because when we pray, we're waiting on God and not always receiving an answer as quickly as we want it. So. I need to remind us, according to 2 Peter 3.8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that the Lord, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So when we're praying, if, it, if you haven't been praying for a thousand years, he's not late. Yeah. <laughs> and ain't nobody been praying a thousand years, so ain't nobody lived that long. So it hasn't even been a day to God. However long you've been praying. I've been praying 15 years. Well, it ain't been a day to God. It ain't even been a second. You know what I'm saying? We have to remember God's word. We have to remember what he teaches us through his word. We have to know it and we have to believe it. And when we go to him in prayer humbly, we have to know, okay, Lord, to you, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand, a thousand uh, days. I'm sorry, a thousand years is like one day to you. So I know that you are doing it in your timing. And I have to trust that. I have to believe that. So some people may say to themselves, I've already prayed. I've already prayed. It's not happening. But understand that along with prayer, we also must practice supplication. And I'll explain what that means. When we don't think prayer is enough, it's a lack of the sufficiency of scripture. We are required to believe God when he says this is how we obtain his peace. And it makes sense. Prayer is the most powerful act that we can put on in our lives because without it, we can do absolutely nothing, especially nothing when it comes to righteousness. Having a lifestyle of prayer shows we are true believers who trust in the one true living God, the one who has all the answers, all the power, all the wisdom and knows all things. So it makes sense to go to the one who has all the wisdom, all the power and knows all things. Am I right? So the one who has all of these things, it makes sense to go to him. So the one who can change our hearts, especially 
Go to the one who can change your heart in the midst of what you're going through. God is our heavenly father who commands that we come to him in prayer about all things, not some things and not cherry picking what we want to come to him about. We have to go to him about everything in our lives. This is the reason why prayer is so important. So let's go to the next page that you have. It says to obtain the peace of God, we must pray first. And then it says, why is prayer so important? Number one, because God commands it. And we actually can stop right there because once he commands something, we really don't need to go any further because that's enough. But let's just write down it's God's commandment. That's the first reason why we're on page seven. Um, God's commandment. That's the reason why prayer is so important. So Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. So we're going to stop at prayer. We're going to work a little bit at this passage and a little, a little bit of digging. Um, so let's dig into the first part of it. It says, be anxious for nothing. First question is, what is anxiety? Ungodly concern is what anxiety is. <laughs> it's ungodly concern. Being anxious is being pulled apart in different directions, being divided, it's sinful worry, and it's being distracted in life. So when you see someone at the height of anxiety, so for example, having a panic attack, they're distracted, they're divided, they're not sensible, they're not wise, because they're not depending on God. So one of the things that I say to myself is anxiety is ugly, and it looks ugly on people. It's not pretty at all, because a panic attack is not cute. <laughs> people with panic attacks aren't thinking straight. They're not even acting straight. You're like, what's wrong with you? I'm hyperventilating. Why? Are you having a heart attack? No, I'm just having a panic attack. Well, breathe. That's all you got to do. Slow down and breathe. But we have to understand this is ungodly concern. You're concerned about things that he didn't tell you to be concerned about, has never commanded you to be concerned about. If he's God and knows all things, is all wise and all powerful, why am I concerned about things that I have no control over? Submit yourself to the one who has control over it. Let's go to the next page. I think this is page eight. We're going to dig a little more and see what anxiety really is all about. So we have a chart here, and this chart is um, by Dr. Stuart Scott. He has a booklet, like a little tiny booklet, on fear, worry, and anxiety. And this chart has been extremely helpful for me. So I want to share it with you all. What we're going to do, we're going to fill in the blanks regarding fear, and then we're going to compare and contrast them with loving and trusting God on that list. So this is what we need to understand. Because anxiety is ungodly concern, it is fear that practices unbelief in God. Every time I'm fearful, every time I'm worried, every time I am having anxiety, I am not believing in the one true living God whom I serve. So let's see what this looks like. The first line I want you to write under fear. When I'm fearful and unbelieving, I'm focusing on myself. That's the first line. Focusing on myself. But when I'm loving and trusting God, I'm focusing on him. I'm focusing on God and I'm focusing on others. You see it right there. When I'm loving and trusting, I'm focusing on others. 
and you can add, I'm focusing on God as well. Because the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. Those are the first two greatest commandments. Not love myself. That's not in the commandments. <laughs> so we know the first two greatest ones is to love God and to love others. When I'm fearful and unbelieving, I'm focusing on myself. But when I'm loving and trusting, I focus on God and I focus on others. The second line, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I protect myself. I protect myself. So it's like self-protecting what will happen to me in this situation. But when I'm loving and trusting, I give of myself. And I ask, how can I love and serve others? When I'm fearful and unbelieving, the, ne the next line, I ask myself, and you can write this, what will I lose? What will I lose in this situation or in this circumstance? But when I'm loving and trusting, I ask, what can I give God and others? So, so far, the fear and unbelief, we're at focus on self, protecting self, and what will I lose? But when I'm loving and trusting, I focus on God and others, I give of myself, and I ask, what can I give God and others? The next line, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I move away from the problem. Move away from the problem. But when I'm loving and trusting, I move toward the problem, tackling it for resolution. Being purposeful. When I'm fearful and I'm leaving, I move away from the problem. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the drama that comes with the problem. I'm trying to run away from it. But when I'm loving and trusting God, I want to deal with the problem. I want to tackle it for resolution. The next line, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I seclude myself. Don't want to be around nobody. Don't want to deal with nothing. It's ugly. We're seeing the ugliness right now. Aren't we seeing the ugliness in this place? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> when I'm loving and trusting the Lord, though, I sacrifice myself and I reach out. I'm reaching out to God for help. I'm reaching out to others to serve them. Are we starting to see the commonality in this list? Okay, because that's what I'm trying to draw out. When I'm fearful and unbelieving, next line, I hesitate. Hesitate to pray. Hesitate to serve. Hesitate to read God's word. Because I don't want to hear the truth. I'm all about me. What will I lose in this situation? But when I'm loving and trusting, I start praying. I start reading God's word. I start serving him. I start serving others. I start doing things that are righteous. Next line, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I'm highly suspicious. Paranoid about everything. <laughs> Oh, what will I lose in this situation? That's, that's common. <laughs> but when I'm loving and trusting the Lord, I believe all things and think no evil. I believe all things of God and think no evil. Because I trust him. When I'm fearful and unbelieving, next line, I won't try. 
I won't try to pray. I won't try to read. I won't try to serve. There's a common thread here, y'all. I hope we're seeing it. But when I'm loving and trusting God, I act obediently and I depend on his grace. This is my lifestyle if I'm loving and trusting the Lord. I act obediently and I depend on his grace. Next line, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I might fail and I'm fearful of failure. So basically, I want to be perfect and I don't want to mess up. But when I'm loving and trusting, even if I do fail, knowing that we will, we continue to do what's right. We continue to reach out. We continue to go to the Lord. We continue to go to others and serve them. And lastly, when I'm fearful and unbelieving, I trust in myself. But when I'm loving and trusting, I trust in God. So now we see anxiety to the fullest effect. Everything is about self. I mean, it's right here in the list. Focus on self, self-protectiveness, seclusion, self, hesitate, self. I mean, it's self, 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 self. It's so ugly. Ooh. Selfishness is ugly. When we see it in ourselves and when we see it in others, it's ugly. But when we're loving and trusting God, we are serving him and practicing the two greatest commandments, loving him and loving others. And that's what he wants us to do. So now that we know what anxiety looks like, let's go to the next part of the text. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. What does everything mean? All. The entire. Every kind of. So this means every kind of situation, circumstance, life-altering change, conflict, whatever you're going through, everything is everything to God. It's not, he's not playing jokes with us, and he's not trying to be sarcastic. He is saying it means everything, every kind of. So the Lord is telling us, be anxious for nothing, but in all your circumstances, come to me and pray. Because that's the first thing we're supposed to do. Don't waste time being divided or worrying about your life, but in every conflict, come to me and pray. Don't be distracted about life altering changes, but come to me and pray. This is what the Lord is telling us. Come to me and pray. God's command for us to pray first in everything is fundamental to our faith. Prayer is a major part of the Christian life. It's the first thing that we do when we come to saving faith. We confess our wretchedness to him through prayer. We repent through prayer. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ when we first get saved through prayer. God commands us throughout scripture to always pray because prayer shows that we are acknowledging him first and not our circumstances first. If we don't pray, if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer, we prove we are not close to God. We can't understand scripture if we are not praying. We don't have a lifestyle of prayer. We can't apply scripture if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer. If we don't have a lifestyle of prayer, we will not and cannot be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We cannot live a victorious life if we do not have a lifestyle of prayer. We can't live in obedience if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer. We are not practicing repentance if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer. And if we're not practicing repentance, we will not see the power of God in our lives and if we don't have a prayerful life, we are saying to God, I don't need you. I could do this on my own. So, 
Let's go to your next questions. This is more inventory questions. How often do I practice anxiety? That's a, that's a hard question. That's intense for one night. <laughs> How often do I practice anxiety? And just, just think about even moments. It doesn't have to be something that you deal with every single day, but even if it's just moments, maybe it's somebody that you're around that you don't like that much. You're like, oh, every time they come around, I get a little fluttered. I mean, it could be anything. But how often do you do it? And what do you worry about? Write down what, you, what do you worry about. If the Lord tells me not to worry and not to be anxious, why am I putting on ungodly concern? What is it about this situation that is drawing me to be sinful this way? Do I act like I believe in his will for my circumstances or do I just want to be in control? And be honest because the Lord knows. So just write it on down because he knows. And this is between you and the Lord. When anxiety rears its ugly head in my life, do I go to God in prayer immediately or do I let anxiety fester? Because there's a balance here or really an imbalance, but you have a choice. Am I letting anxiety increase or am I going to God in prayer immediately? When it comes to prayer, we're commanded to do a few things here and we're going to write these things down. And these things are all from Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. The first thing is, when it comes to prayer, we're commanded to trust the Lord with all of our heart. Mm -hmm. So let's go, when you get a chance, let's go to Proverbs 3. And let me read these passages, because we're going to go through these. These are going to be your answers. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 7. It says, Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So the first answer to when it comes to prayer, we are commanded to, number one, is trust the Lord with all of your heart. So we must trust the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and cultivate faithfulness, according to Psalms 37.3. So if anything, our obedience should increase, not decrease. <clears throat> Secondly, we are not to rely on our own insight or understanding. So when it comes to prayer, number two, we're commanded to not rely on our own insight or our own understanding. Especially when it comes to matters in our lives. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding on why a matter is what it is. God's purpose is God's purpose. God's will is God's will. He who trusts in himself is a fool, according to Proverbs 28, 26. But one who walks in wisdom will be safe. Ladies, obedience, there's safety in obedience. It's just better to, to obey. Even if it sounds crazy, it's just better to obey. Thirdly, acknowledge him in all of your ways. 
That's number three. Why it comes when it, when it comes to prayer, we are commanded to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. Because he said that if we if we do that, he will make our path straight. So this means we won't be divided, we won't be worrying, because when we acknowledge him in everything, we're saying with confidence to our situation, I know who by God is, and I trust him with confidence, not timid. I know who my God is, and I trust him. Because the Lord is my strength, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my deliverer, he's the one in whom I take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. In the midst of my circumstances, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's Psalm 18, 2 through 3. That's the kind of confidence we need to have in our, in our Lord. When we pray immediately in everything, we cannot be moved because our confidence and faith in the Lord is a straight path and distractions are not welcomed. So let's go over what we have here. We have, when it comes to prayer, we are commanded to... Trust the Lord with all of our heart. Do not rely on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways. And number four, when we pray, we're not to be wise in our own eyes. We're to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So pray, do not be wise in my own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I'll repeat that. When we pray, we're not to be wise in our own eyes. We're to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself into thinking, I got this. I can handle this problem on my own. You can't. <laughs> That's just what the truth is. Anyone who is a child of God cannot handle anything without him. And I'm going to tell you why. Because according to John 15, 5, the Lord said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. If Jesus said those words, trust me, they are going to come to pass. So don't even try it. Just surrender. Obey. Abide. Trust in him. When we pray, we are always to rejoice. We're always to be persistent in our prayers and be thankful in every situation the Lord brings in our lives, no matter the circumstance, because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. When we will understand, when we understand his will, we will be content and God's peace will be with us. Prayer is the essential component in our life in Christ. If we don't pray first in everything, our flesh will take over and sin will follow quickly. Because it crouches at our door and its desire is for us. That's Genesis 4-7. It's waiting for us to mess up. Don't let sin be there waiting for you to mess up. Follow Christ. Obey Christ. Surrender to Christ. The goal is to do well when heat comes or when problem comes or when life-altering changes or conflicts come in our lives. Because this is how we know where we are in our faith. Life's conflicts will reveal to us whether we are weak or whether we are strong or getting stronger. The tests and trials in our lives are here to refine us. And it's, it's something to be thankful to God for because he cares so much about us. He's showing us where we are in our walk. So here's some more inventory questions. Page 10. Some more heart questions. What has the heat in my life reflected 
about my spiritual growth. So if you've been going through some things, some problems, some conflicts, some life-altering changes, what has it reflected about your spiritual growth? Do I show signs of strength? And if so, what biblical strengths have I grown in? You can write some of those down if you can remember them. And if you can't remember them or you can't think of it now, please take time to do these inventory questions later in, in the week or the weekend or even after the retreat. Letter C, do I show signs of weakness? And if so, where has God shown me my weakness? How can I improve spiritually according to God's commands? Well, I'm going to give you one of the answers. Walk by the Spirit and not your flesh. <laughs> this is the second reason why prayer is so important. The first reason is because it's a command. The second reason is it's an act of walking by the Spirit. So we will not carry out the desire of our flesh. When we walk by the flesh, we're weak. And we are practicing disobedience. But when we are walking in the spirit, we are being obedient. So I want us to see an example, a biblical example of this in Philippians chapter 1. Because this is how we obtain God's peace. So I think we're on page number 11 on your, in your packet. Is it 10 or 11? I'm sorry. Okay, 10. So, number 10, let page 10. Okay, so second, prayer is so important because, I, I told you the answer to that, it's an act of walking by the Spirit. So if you're on page 10, it says letter A, second, prayer is so important because it's an act of walking by the Spirit. So I will not carry out my fleshly desires. And this is how we obtain the peace of God. So we are still on page 10, I'm sorry. On that little, the two little eyes or the two little, yeah. So in his epistle uh, to the Philippians, Paul exemplifies Christ-likeness as he's writing to this church to encourage them while he's in prison at Rome not once is he distracted by his imprisonment, but he understands his identity in Christ. He understands his role as a follower of Christ because he's not focused on himself. But he is focused on the right things. He's focused on Christ the Lord. He's focused on God's kingdom. He's focused on the gospel. And he's focused on God's people. So there's three major ways in which um, he shows us how to do this in chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. So... Under here where it says on page 10, this is how we obtain the peace of God. I just want you to write down walking by the spirit. And you'll, you'll see that I repeat things a lot because people don't listen. So <laughs> that's what I just learned. I don't listen sometimes too. So repetition is good. <laughs> Paul rep repeated things quite often for, for a purpose. And he knew the human you know, humans just don't listen. So you got to repeat it. So I will repeat things. and I'll have you write things repetitively. And you'll say, what? We said that already. We said that already I, for a reason. So just follow along accordingly because I'm leading you in the direction of trying to remember these things as you write them down. So 
you're right, now we're at page 11, and we're going to read um, this together. But I want to remind you that Paul's example, this is just me pulling an example of what walking by the Spirit looks like. And Paul was a great example of this, especially when he was in prison at Rome. So we're going to see how God shows us what this may look like in our lives, because we are not exempt just because Paul was an apostle, where he, he wasn't special in that regard that we can't be like him. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's read Philippians 1, um, verse 6 through 7, and I have it here on your page. It says, for I am confident... Very, very, thank you. Go ahead. I guess we're going to read it together, y'all. So let's read it together. For, yes, we're going to read it together. Ready? Go. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you were perfected until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Thank you. Amen. So the first thing we see, number one, confidence in Christ. This is the first thing Paul displays. He has confidence in Christ. He said, for I am confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work in you and will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, in whom does Paul's confidence lie in his circumstance? He is confident in Christ. So we can write that down under number one. In whom does Paul's confidence lie in his circumstances? He's confident in Christ. God is at work at this church, both to will and to do the work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 13. He's not confident in himself, Paul is not confident in himself. He's not confident in his ministry. He's not confident in anything but Christ. Walking by the Spirit means we have confidence in our Lord and Savior and not in others and not in ourselves. So all that fleshly stuff, all that proud stuff, get rid of it because it's all about Christ. Next. What is, what is confidence? The next question is, what is confidence? In this context, confidence is to be persuaded in what is trustworthy. To be persuaded in what is trustworthy. Paul shows that he is persuaded in Jesus Christ, who we know without a shadow of a doubt, he is trustworthy. One commentator writes, the Lord persuades the yielded believer to be confident in his preferred will. So confidence in Christ involves obedience. When we are fully, attentively obedient to Christ, we are saying, I trust you and I'm confident in you. Next question, what is Paul confident about? He's confident about the Lord who begun a good work in this church. The Lord who begun a good work in this church and will perfect it and will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Lord who begun a good work in this church will perfect it and will be, 
bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's verse 6. And then page 12 on your in your notes. What is the day of Christ Jesus? It's eternal life for the believer. Eternity. Eternal life for the believer. Next question. What do we learn from Paul's example of walking by the Spirit and not his flesh? We must be persuaded to be confident in the Lord's preferred will for our lives, no matter what our circumstances look like. But this is what I want you to write down. We must trust in Christ's perfect work and know that he will complete it until glory. We must trust in Christ's perfect work and know that he will complete it until glory. We must trust in Christ's perfect work and know that he will complete it until glory. So Paul's thought life is on display here. We must put on the same thought life. His example of walking by the Spirit shows us his second act. Number two. First act, confidence in Christ. Second, right thinking. We have, we have to have right thinking in our circumstances. Paul says, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. So Paul displays selflessness and love towards the Philippians. So we can write that. Paul displays selflessness and love towards the Philippians. Yes. He displayed, Paul displays selflessness and love towards the Philippians. Then Paul says, for it is only right for me to feel this way. When he's saying this, what does the word feel mean? Number two in your notes, under right thinking, it means to have understanding. It means to think. So Paul only thought it right to think this way about them. So the word feel in this context, according to the Greek, means understanding or to think. What did Paul think about them? His thoughts about them are shown in verse 5. In view of their participation of the gospel, in the gospel, from the first day until now. And I'll repeat that. And I think we're on page, oh, we're still on number 3, page 12. In view of their participation in the gospel, verse 5, from the first day until now. In view of their participation, the Philippians' participation in the gospel from the first day until now. That's, this is what Paul is thinking about them. Paul commends them for their love for Christ through the participation in the gospel. Yep. In view of their participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So this leads us to the third component and what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. So first we see Paul says, I have to be confident in the Lord in my circumstances. The second thing is, I must think rightly in my circumstances. The third thing is, I must advance the gospel in my circumstances. Paul says, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Why does Paul feel this way about the Philippians? The answer is 
because he has this church in his heart. He loves them. And he's not just saying that with his words. He's showing them, I really do love you. How many times when we're in trouble, remember, Paul's in prison. How many times when we're in trouble do we have somebody else in our hearts? How many times are we reaching out to them? Imagine going to prison. You writing letters to your church? I mean, my goodness, it was just so amazing to see this. And I've read this time and time again, but to get deeper into it, my mind, he was in prison. And he didn't try to free me. He didn't try to, I got my rights. He didn't do any of that. I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to write my church a letter. I'm going to write this church a letter because they are in my heart. So Paul's focus is not selfish at all, but he proves his love for Christ. He proves his love first for Christ in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And he encourages this church by telling them, you all are partakers of grace with me. But Paul's confidence in Christ and his love for the gospel to see the Lord's people come to him and surrender to him, to live for him, this is what he was all about. He was all about doing Christ's mission. He never wavered when it came to God's mission. So that means he loved the Lord dearly. That's what loving the Lord looks like. That's what walking by the Spirit looks like. So the Philippians' part partnership in the gospel from the first day until now showed their like-mindedness. They, too, were about God's business, advancing the gospel, which shows unity in the body of Christ. So we must remember that we have to be about God's business, and that is the gospel. It's the way in which we came to know Christ, and it's the way in which we have to tell others the truth about how do you know Christ through the gospel. So sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And so death spread to all mankind because all sin. That's Romans 5.12. This means we were all born sinners. There is not one person in this room or on earth outside of Jesus Christ who was born righteous. Not one. So Romans 3, 10, 8, 10 through 18 tells us this. There's no one who understands God nor is one seeking for God. Sinners don't seek after God. Sinners don't understand God. Sinners don't turn, sinners turn away from God. They're useless. They do nothing. This, this was all of us before we got saved. If you are a believer today, this was all of us before we got saved. So our speech was corrupt and corrupting, filled with deceit. Again, there was no good in us. Yet, while we were yet sinners, Sinning against God. God the Father demonstrated his love to us by sending his son Jesus Christ through a miraculous virgin birth to die for us. And he died the most horrible death throughout all of history. Crucifixion. Then he was buried. And then he, raised on the, he was raised on the third day. But it doesn't even end there. It's not, it's not stopped yet. We're not done yet. He is coming back with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. That's Revelation 1-7. The Lord will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the air. The clouds can meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Those who have salvation will be with the Lord eternally. How exciting is that? That is something to look forward to. That is something to live for on this earth today. This is coming, y'all. This is not a play pretty. This is the real deal. 
We have to live according to the gospel, the full gospel, not stopping at, oh, he rose on the third day. It doesn't stop there. He's coming back. So we must be about God's business. We must advance the gospel. Paul was arrested because he was advancing the gospel. Then he goes into prison and keeps preaching the gospel. They can't arrest me again, so I'm going to keep preaching. Then Paul, yeah, that is really, really good. Ask yourself, does my circumstance today advance the gospel? And what I'm going through, whatever he I wrote down, have I been advancing the gospel and doing it with purpose, with zeal, with zealousness? Have I been really fearful of the Lord, reverencing him and advancing the gospel in my issues? This is how we obtain the peace of God. We stop thinking about ourselves. We stop thinking about our situations and we start living for the Lord. So let's review here because we're about to be done. Uh, and it's three minutes after. Okay. All right. We're almost done. So in order to obtain the peace of God, we're going to do a review. We must do what? Ooh, that was weak. Let's try that again. Okay. In order to obtain the peace of God, we must do what? First. Amen. Why should we pray? Because God commands it and it's an act of walking by the spirit. Those are the two things we have to remember. God commands it. And it's an act of walking by the spirit. So we will not carry out the desire of our flesh. In order to walk by the spirit, we must be confident in the Lord, in our circumstances. We must think rightly in our circumstances and we must advance the gospel in our circumstances. This is how we practice the peace of God. So because I am a biblical counseling professor at the Masters University, I'm always about homework. <laughs> so, y'all getting some homework. <laughs> but this is homework that you can do for the rest of your life, not just for this weekend, not just for tonight, that's due tomorrow, it's for the rest of your life. So I want you to be mindful of, this is homework I can do for the rest of my life until glory. And I want you to do it. I want you to like to, to take these tools and be like, I'm about to be about prayer all day, every day. I'm about to be about prayer every day. So the homework is, your first assignment is to pray. Ha ha. Read Matthew 6, 9 through 15 to remind yourself how the Lord instructs us to pray. Remember, God's word does not contradict itself. It complements itself. So anything that we do, we have to know what to do through God's word on how he commands us to do it. Don't try to make up your own way of doing things because God already wrote it down. We just need to follow his instructions. So according to Matthew 6, 9 through 15, he tells us how to pray. He tells his disciples what to do. So here we have um, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven debtors our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil for if you forgive other people for their offenses your father your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive other people then your father will not forgive your offenses remember what god has instructed us to do so pray in this way honor and praise to god get into the practice of honor and praise to god when you pray don't go straight up to him and say daddy i want this don't go straight with a petition. Honor and praise to God. Give him thanks for who he is. Then his, ask him for his will to be done in your life and not your own will. 
give him thanks for who, what he has done. Then pray for what will be sufficient to your life and pray for daily strength to serve God cheerfully and zealously. Confess your sins specifically to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Then ask for help to forgive others. Pray to avoid the dangers of sin. Pursue and forgive others. Work towards being a praying without ceasing type of person. You want to be praying every day. So while we close tonight, I want you to pair up with one person in this session at your table or however you want to do it. Pair up with one person and then ask them for one prayer request. That means people give only one. Don't give a life story. Just give one prayer request. Pray with them. I want you to pray with that person. You guys pray with, with each other, for each other, for that one prayer request. And then the rest of this weekend, pray for each other in your own time of prayer. When you leave the retreat, pray for each other in your own time of prayer. And then later on, ask each other, how are you doing? How is that situation that I prayed for doing? How can I continue to pray for you? Then, of course, pray your prayer cards daily for spiritual growth. And then, of course, at the end, then you can make your request known to God. Okay? So let's end with that. Let's pair up. You guys all pair up with someone that you're going to pray with. Ask for one request, one request. And that's how we're going to close our time in prayer tonight, praying with one another.